Welcome to the Paddle Pilgrim Podcast, the podcast that explores life, relationships, and the human spirit. I'm Dave Ellingson, author, educator, and seeker of wisdom. In this series of Say What? A Fresh Look at Old Sayings, we will explore what my mother and generations of adults have said to their kids with ants in their pants. Go outside and play. Leela Vitalia Halverson Ellingson was a loving and gracious woman, a trained English teacher, and my mom. She was a person with extraordinary patience, and she had to be with me as her rambunctious son. It took a lot, but finally she would say, David Richard Ellingson, go outside and play. Fortunately, we had a woods out back to explore, to trees to climb, and a place for adventures galore. This podcast will explore the wisdom perhaps my mom didn't fully realize, and I only slowly have come to appreciate over the years. We will begin, and during this episode, explore what it means to go. Think of all the great leaders who have started their adventure with go. Moses said, let my people go. And off they went on a 40-year time in the wilderness. <laughs> my friend Dan Erlander often spoke of this time as the wilderness school. I think it was a, a boot camp to help the Hebrew people become a community, and to rely on God. Jesus said, go into the world. His good news message of love and forgiveness and mercy and justice needed to be spread to all people. St. Francis refined that word with go out and preach the gospel, and if you must, use words. He was saying, it's action that counts more than words. I like to give credit for the famous line, go west, to the Indian guide, Sacagawea, who helped Lewis and Clark on their voyage of discovery to make it all the way to the Pacific Ocean. And she probably said it over and over, go west. Being of Nordic ancestry, I will attribute to the Viking King Bela, go and launch the ships. And my people bravely sailed all the way to North America long before Columbus. Go, go, go. Who are the people in your life who challenged you to go? A parent? A teacher, a coach, a pastor, a friend? I suspect it made all the difference. Let's pause for a moment, however, and, and ask why go? 
Well, I'm convinced that life is a learning journey of discovery. Let me repeat that. Life is a learning journey of discovery. In 2012, I heard a voice saying, go. (laughs) And I launched my kayak and paddled 2,350 miles down the Mississippi River on a Huck Finn adventure. But it was far more. Here's how I describe my two-month journey in my book, Paddle Pilgrim, An Adventure of Spirit and Learning Kayaking the Mississippi River. It takes the form of a letter I wrote to the river. Dear Miss, I hope you are not offended by my familiar or even intimate form of address, but after nearly a month together, I feel we have grown quite close. Each day as I begin my paddle, you greet me, and I discover something new about your personality. While I am only a beginner, you have been greeting others for thousands of years. You have become my teacher and I have learned many lessons. Some I've welcomed. Others have been hard and painful. You have taught me with the rich diversity of your path, from marshes to pine forests, across large lakes, through farmland, along majestic bluffs, through maze-like bayous, by small towns, suburbs, and cities, over wing dams, and through locks and dams. I've studied with eagles, trumpeter swans, geese, ducks, deer, otter, beaver, pelican, and, yes, mosquito. I have been humbled by your twists and turns, eddies, sweepers, and whirlpools, and exhilarated by your rapids, tailwinds, and strong flow after a rain. My sore hands, aching back, stiff knees, flagging frame, and frequently struggling spirit all remind me of my limits, my age, my mortality. But that is good, because you teach with a clarity and truth that I need to hear and embrace. And while I may curse you with some irregularity, I praise you for the wisdom you invite me into each morning as I set out from your shores. Roll on, mighty waters, your humble paddle pilgrim. Why go? Life is a learning journey of discovery that can become a spiritual pilgrimage. Several years later, I paddled the Erie Canal and Hudson River to the Statue of Liberty. On the first morning as I paddled, I heard a sound, the sound of water splashing into water, and I discovered a mini waterfall, a a fountain of droplets cascading down a rocky wall along the canal. I had to stop. I was transfixed, and I began to sense that my journey was being blessed, (laughs) being christened 
even baptized. The great artist Leonardo da Vinci said it well, water is the driving force of all nature. And I felt that force and I knew I had to go. For many years, I taught a psychology course in human development. In the initial unit on the first three years of life, we studied the work of the great developmental psychologist Jean Piaget. I will never forget this phrase he repeated after observing young children. They are little scientists. They are constantly on the go, go, go. <laughs> My newest grandson will celebrate his first birthday soon, and his parents can't keep up with him. My mom often said about me, you were in perpetual motion. And because these little scientists are on the go and seem to constantly ask questions during their first three years of life, they learn more during this time than at any other period in their life. As we go and grow, we find that we each tend to have different learning styles. Here's a brief description of eight ways we learn. One, verbal and linguistic. Words are vital. Listening, hearing, speaking are important ways to learn. Two, visual, spatial. Here, seeing is believing and learning, observing, with a picture being worth a thousand words. Three, interpersonal. Relational interaction with other people becomes a primary way to learn. This one got me in trouble in grade school. I can still remember my report card and the sentence, he tends to be a little too social. Four, naturalistic. This person learns by being outdoors among the plants and the animals. And I was good at this. Mud was my friend, and I usually needed a good bath when I came inside. Five, logical mathematical. On this one, I struggle, but I'm very grateful for my friends who excel with numbers and logic. You know who you are. Six, intrapersonal. This learning style includes what one of my professors called emotions, passions, and feelings. And folks who come at learning with their mind and by thinking. Musical and rhythmic. Do I need to explain? I have learned so much via this learning style. But it's more than performance learning. It's also learning through one's love and appreciation of different kinds of music and different kinds of rhythm. Eight. Finally, my favorite and the primary focus of this episode, kinesthetic or body learning. So let's review. One, verbal linguistic. Two, 
visual spatial, three interpersonal, four naturalistic, five logical mathematical, six intrapersonal, seven musical and rhythmic, and finally kinesthetic and body learning. Which style is your number one or primary learning style? In truth, to a degree, we all learn from each of these styles and often a cluster of styles describe how we learn. But what is also a learning style you would like to become more proficient in? Here's a bonus that will help you remember how best to learn and to teach. Ironically, it's a numerical formula. It's 20, 40, 60, 80. We remember 20% of what we hear. We remember 40% of what we hear and see. We remember 60% of what we hear and see and do. And we remember 80% of what we hear, see, do, and tell about. That's my pedagogical learning philosophy in a nutshell. Let's keep going and focus a little more on that primary favorite way of learning for me, bodily or kinesthetic learning. I know I learn best by doing, often by trial and error. Remember, I was the ants in the pants kid who was told to go outside and play. Before I ever attended school, I went to church, and I can still remember my grandma Ruth, also a lovely lady, whispering loudly to me, David, sit still. <laughs> Once again, I failed miserably. When I finally got to indoor school in kindergarten, I finally began to learn via trial and a lot of error. But corralled and sitting still and quietly at a desk almost broke this young colt and certainly gave my teachers a few gray hairs. My eyes would hurt from watching the clock. Thank God for recess. I suspect some listeners have had a similar experience. Fortunately, active learning is now more than recess and is more effectively integrated into educational curricula today. Working with my students and my own kids, I saw how important active learning, going, was when I tried to teach them about helping other people and sharing and community service. I could tell them it's better to give than receive, but until they actively were engaged in a simple service project, this, this message didn't really sink in. It's called service learning. And a colleague, Mark Jackson, and I have done research with hundreds of high school youth during a major, major national youth gathering. The process is often described as action reflection, but we expanded our study to an intentional process 
of preparation, followed by action, then reflection, and finally celebration. When this process of PARC was followed during a day of service, those trained in this way showed much higher levels of satisfaction, community, compassion, and leadership than those who didn't follow the active service learning process. In other words, if we go with an active learning adventure, we are transformed and we can make a big difference in the world around us. Some of us are just beginning to go on this learning adventure of discovery. And others like me have been on it for a long time. Let me close this first episode on go with good news from a phrase in my book, Say What? A Fresh Look at Old Sayings. When I declare you can teach an old dog new tricks. It's called lifelong learning and has become a very successful industry in our rapidly aging society. Here's the core message. Active learning gets results. Once again, this is backed up by research from the relatively new field of neurobiology. We've long known that as we age, our brains shrink and the synapses or connections diminish and and with it, function decreases and memory fades. Neurobiology now shows that through healthy living and active learning with exercise and good nutrition, stress management, socialization, meditation, and prayer, the synapses reconnect. Memory improves and mental function can increase. Lifelong active learning means you can teach old dogs new tricks. This little scientist named Dave continues to go and go and go and continues to learn. This podcast is a a terrific example. Several years ago, I didn't know what a podcast was and certainly couldn't produce one. I didn't have a clue. I have now produced over 70 podcast episodes to an audience of several hundred people in 12 countries. Yes, you can teach an old dog new tricks. But first, you must go. Thanks, Mom. Until next time, I'm Dave Ellingson, and this has been the Paddle Pilgrim Podcast, the podcast which explores adventures in life, relationships, and the human spirit. Tune in and subscribe to the Paddle Pilgrim Podcast on your mobile device or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For more information on my books and films, check out my website, paddle-pilgrim.com. And thanks for listening.